welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you can use in your M&A projects. So let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Toby, how's things today? Fabulous, Robert. Uh, all good. I've just come back from a uh, cycling ride with uh, a couple of American friends of mine and went up to the Hunter Valley, cycled up yep. there and spent a couple of days up there and cycled back again. So uh, feeling so, a bit sore, but but pretty good at the same time. So riding up the side of a mountain the week before didn't teach you any lessons then? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that experience. I won't do that again. I must admit, oh boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, this, this, <laughs> this was plenty uphill and downhill, but thankfully, no, like, I tell you, riding on boulders or gravel is dangerous. Oh. My years, don't do it. In my younger days, I actually rode in the Giro d'Italia. I am. Now, I was part of a team, obviously. And the best thing to describe is we were amateurs. And one of the training days was a ride vertical ride up a mountain oh, yeah. and we got into this training ride and we were out the saddle and we were climbing up this mountain thinking that we were good at what we were doing proud of ourselves and the michelin team literally passed as if we were standing still <laughs> <laughs> and in fact in fact that was our first and only entry into a professional race because on day three of the Giro d'Italia, yeah. the officials actually came and asked us to retire because we were holding everybody else back. <laughs> Great, I love that. Anyway, now last week we started talking about this idea of breaking MA down into some succinct statements, a bit like the Les Heyman principle. Yes, yes, uh, yes. That have got meaning behind them and that can be a guiding principle for people driving M&A. And we vowed to sort of start and develop that into a a comprehensive guide. Now, I know you've kicked off on that. I've still got to do my bit, which I'll do in the next day or two. But you've had some experiences from that already. So do you want to tell us where you got to? Yeah, look, I, I think just the premise of all this is really just to say that I think it's something we all know that M&A is probably one of the most complex corporate activities that an organization can ever undertake. It is complicated. But what we've got to try and do is find a way to manage complexity without getting complicated. And I think the way to do this is to find a straight and simple way for smart and savvy executives to do what they need to get done in an M&A deal. And I think the best way to try and do that is to always go back to a principle, a quote, something that you can say that encapsulates an idea with deeper meaning. And yep. if you do that, you're conveying a thought a process, a tool, a technique, a leadership approach, which helps guide that executive towards M&A success. So that's the idea. And to do that would have pretty much like Les Heyman is to have a number of quotes or things that encapsulate that thought or idea. Now, I'll start off with one 
because you always go by example, and I'll start off with one here now. Okay. Let me go through this, and I'll just say it. Success in M&A comes down to three things. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Love it. <laughs> if there's anything you need to know about being successful here, it comes down to that. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Now, why am I saying that? Let me quote Winston Churchill. Let our advanced worrying become advanced thinking and planning. You worry. You worry about what you do because ultimately, when you plan, you are actively thinking about your worries and how you put that. To put it in another way, planning is so important with all of this. In actual fact, plans themselves don't mean a lot, but it's the act of planning which means so much. And I would say that M&A ultimately is really a game of chance, but chance always favours the prepared mind. Yes, and I would go as far as saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, while it is a game of chance, uh, a good M&A practitioner will also have strong risk management on their side to make sure that the chance is optimised. Correct, yes. Look, and that, that, that risk management is about worrying. You know, as I said, yep. let your advanced worrying become advanced thinking and planning. Yep. So I said the why, preparation, preparation, preparation. Now, what do you do about that? The important thing is, is that when you think about an M&A deal, think about the entire spectrum of the deal, okay? Don't just think about the fact you're doing a deal at the moment. You have to think about, well, what comes next? There's due diligence. There's the negotiation. There's the signing, the closing. And then what happens after the deal? You don't, you don't think about that at the time. You've got to plan for it. Think about it. Worry about it. Worry about how this is going to work in practice. Worry about in terms of the people side, the process, the technology, so on and so forth. What you need to do is to break it down to what happened before, what happens after. Break it down. Strategy, search and selection, transaction execution, due diligence, signing, closing, and then after. What do you got to do for quick wins? What do you got to do for reviewing yeah. the synergies that you, you think you're going to get? Review them again. Yep. Integration, <laughs> transformation. You know what I'm doing? I'm breaking it all down to subcomponents. And yep. that is what you've got to do. Now, the question is, is how do you do this? Well, first of all, you've got to have for every M&A deal a sponsor. You've yep. got to have a cheerleader for this. Yep. The second thing is you've got to have a business manager who's effectively in charge of this deal. Now, this person comes in a different title. Sometimes it's called business manager. Sometimes it's called business integration manager. That person's worrying about the deal and preparing it. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Because that's that person who brings it all to action, makes the deal real. And then I'd say, finally, how you do this run it like a project or a program. There are project and program management techniques. Use them in the M&A context, okay? So those yep. vital planning, project management skills become vital. So how do you do it? Three things. Get a sponsor, get a business manager or a business integration manager, run it like a program. So I'll just finish off by saying success in M&A comes down to three things. Preparation, preparation, preparation. I love it. And, of course, as we go through that list, that's one of probably a 100 or more of these yes. guiding principles that we will end up crafting to be 
principles on which executives can steer the success of an M&A project. Exactly. And I think you you make the call out. You can just simply say, guys, we're doing this deal. We're not doing enough preparation. Remember the thing. Three things, preparation, preparation, preparation. As long as you're preparing, you're preparing for success. Now, that's a sort of a nice segue into the topic I wanted to talk about, which is more about feeling. Yeah. So we, you and I have both done this. Hmm. You start an integration project, and it's full on. Hmm. And on day one, you've got a, a long road ahead of you. But as time goes on, each day, you might finish off for the day, close off for the day. And as you do so, you've either got a feeling of comfort and certainty about where things are going or you're worried mm-hmm. and I sort of started thinking about that and I thought so hang on a minute what what are those indicators and when you talk to people and you say what makes a successful m a they go oh well you know preparation planning people oh, yeah okay that's mm-hmm. all high level stuff mm-hmm. but you tap into these subjective feelings about yeah. how the thing's going. And I thought, let's have a conversation about what that is, because I'll use an alternative idea. If you go to a restaurant, you go in yeah. and you walk in and it looks like a nice restaurant. But as you come out, you could have either had a damn good meal and a great experience, you know, and the staff were and the yeah. service was the food was excellent. Or you can come out and go, that was that was average. Yep. You can have the same principle when you're talking about M&A. Yep. And you and I have both gone home at the end of the day with the, with a myriad of feelings. And I thought, okay, so what's that based on? What are the components that give you that, I think the word you use, the confidence of being in control or not in control? Yeah. I mean, we started out talking about the fact that you need leadership you need process you need people but it's more than that isn't it what are your thoughts toby well i think to put it very simply is that what you're there to do is to create order out of chaos because things can very rapidly become chaotic and you'll be have a very unstable situation so i think to feel comfortable and for everybody to feel comfortable is that sense of order And I think that's what that feeling comes from, is that sense of control is really just having that peace of mind and that sense of order. And that sense of order comes from a number of things. A number of factors come into that. And and it's not just project management. I'm not talking like that. I'm I'm talking about how how you work with two organizations as they they come together and function as one. How How do you coach executives as they go from a one sort of through a rocky and uncharted territory. How, how do you do all that? And be the connective tissue between two organizations. These are the various things in our work that we need to do to make sure that the deal comes about and comes about successfully. Well, there's that. And the other point that was going through my head, and I know we sort of chatting about this before we started the podcast, is that experience becomes a key layer through the yep. middle of all of this because you can be a integration manager mm. for a, you know, a deal mm. and you can leave with 
a degree of confidence and comfort about the project, and all that will do is prove that you're actually inexperienced and deluded. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to put an element of experience into that. Yes. Yeah. And one of the points that I've noticed, and this is just sort of throwing it in as a, a left field mm. topic, is that when you have an integration manager mm. running a, a deal, they're essentially the conduit between the leadership and the the, the, the operations people that are going to go through the myriad of actions that are needed to bring two companies together. Mm. And if you're confident and you're exuding confidence, in it, it will show through your psychology and the way that you act and behave. Yep. That, in turn, will deliver confidence to the executives who, in turn, also behave more confidently. And the whole thing builds on each other. Yes, I agree. And the other thing that you talked about, and I think this is an important factor as well, is that a lot of people will say, oh, good M&A is about really good planning. Back to your preparation point. And and it is. It is. And I often hear people talking about playbooks. Yep. Right. I've never seen a playbook that you can start from page one and go through to page 100, mm. and it all flows perfectly. Mm. Never. Never in a month of Sundays. Yep. So, again, it comes back to that experience that whilst there's a roadmap there, and you put effort into all of the myriad of details that have got to be done, mm. another element of success is the ability to be able to react on the fly. Yes, yes, indeed. indeed. In, in fact, almost crystal ball gaze. So one of the things I've often said about strong M&A integration people, they have the experience to see what's not there. Yep. It's that piece that kicks in where on the surface things seem to be going according to plan and everybody's presenting the information and so on Mm. but your gut kicks in and tells you hang on a minute something's not quite right here you don't necessarily know what it is straight away it's really driven out of deep experience, but a good integration manager will listen to that gut feel and then start doing a bit of digging. And you will invariably find out what's the cause of your uncertainties and worries. And again, it's that ability to be able to change on the fly. Indeed, indeed, I agree, I agree. And and quickly react to something so that you predict what's going to happen and you resolve it before it happens, whereas an inexperienced person is suddenly faced with an unexploded bomb that goes off 10 seconds later. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Rob, I mean, m is fundamentally an experience-driven skill set. And the more you do, the better you get. It's as simple as that because what it does is it arms you with prior experience. And then what it allows you to do is that depending on the circumstances, you can run multiple scenarios as to what yeah. the approach to take based upon that experience. And the important thing is that experience gives you the ability to openly demonstrate options that people can take. And you're not floundering. You've got the ideas, what to do. It gives you a certain 
gravitas and leadership quality to be able to push through and help guide executives and others through what effectively is uncharted territory uh, for them because it's something they've never experienced before and they're looking to you as the leader to take them through. Now, that's another good segue as well because one of the experiences I've had, and again, I'll be interested in your, your views on this, is I've been in projects where everybody's sitting around and they're waiting for you to come to them with the next phase of activity that they've got to do and give them their to-do list, so to speak. Okay, that's fine. But for me, comfort factor comes in when all of a sudden the client's people are coming to you and going, hey, Rob, I know we're doing so-and-so, but I've had an idea. Could we, if we did this, this, and this, we could shortcut this piece and mm-hmm. we get that in place. And they they become co-conspirators almost in the plan with you. Yeah, sure. And they start contributing to it. Mm. That, for me, tells you that you've achieved a degree of buy-in. Yes from all the people across the business and you're working as one team and sharing ideas. Yep, I agree. Um, and it also goes as far, again, I don't know whether you've done well, I'm sure you've done this, I certainly have, mm. whereby the executive that's the sponsor of the project will get to a point where they automatically include you in their briefing sessions and you are essentially standing alongside them as an equal Sure. And you're an accepted part of the executive team, but you're also an accepted part of the team in the operations area that's actually putting this all into practice. Sure, sure. And that, for me, are the, the, those are the factors that, that give you that degree of where you walk out each day and you sort of go, yes. Yeah, you sure. Know, no, I agree. I'm I agree. in control. Yes. Have I missed anything? Well, no, Rob. I I think what you're talking about is the fact that something that I've said myself, and that is that I don't think that M&A should be treated as just like a project management exercise. It isn't really that. Because for a start, it's absolutely impossible to connect or disconnect a company to organizations perfectly from the start. It just doesn't work that way. Things change, and you can't be wedded to project management tools or processes commonly found in organizations. And you're going to have to find yourself adapting and recalibrating as the situation evolves. So that is the reality of of the work, which means that you are working very closely with the executives, both on the buying side and the selling side quite often, to make sure that it all works through. So this means there needs to be a high degree of emotional and cultural intelligence. There needs to be a great degree of comfort with ambiguity because there will be ambiguity because part of your job is to create order out of chaos. And so where you have chaos, it comes down to allowing people to guide them through uncertainty so they can operate effectively. Yep. No, so, you know, and then it comes to there's an entrepreneurial side because value comes out of nowhere and there are opportunities to deliver value from a deal which we may not have been aware of prior to the deal. So ultimately, yep. I think what we all talk about in that, that sense of comfort is just being able to guide everybody through what is rocky and uncharted territory before two organizations can function as one, that you're a consultant, you're a facilitator, you're a communicator, you're a project manager, you're a coach and a bridge builder. And your job is to create the connective tissue 
between two organizations. Well put, Toby. I think that literally there's a one-liner almost. <laughs> there's a one-liner. There you go. Well, that's, that's it comes back to the whole point, I think, and the Les Heyman, I think, is coming up with those one-liners. And that's our job, I think, is to get those one-liners there and then we help unpack. Yeah. And we, again, I'll, I'll go on to Les, Les's quotes. I've got yeah. three more that I can offer. And there's a common theme through all of these. Yes, they're all about leadership, but a, a lot of these quotes from Les are about people. Well, I put it the other way. You can't have leadership without followers. You can't have leaders without followers. No, exactly. Followers exactly. are leaders. Leaders are followers. Yep. It's, it's a yin and a yang. Yep. And so the three quotes that I've chosen for this week are all about people. Right. Number one, tell people that when they've gone that extra mile, don't don't put it off. Wait until next quarter's results or whatever, or the awards or whatever you might do. Actually tell people at the time when they've gone the extra mile and, and communicate that. Yeah, very good. Really. Number two, and this is one that Les practiced and preached regularly, protect your people from interference from all directions. Mm. And... One of the things about Les was that he gave you the authority to do things outside of your sphere of your job or whatever. In other words, he tested you, mm. but he also protected you. Yeah. So that if I put that a different way, naturally, that's a good one because I always say that accountability and authority go together. You can't yeah. give people accountability without the authority. Very so true. you've got you've got to bring them together, and that's Very because true. that's one of the major psychological issues that leads to mental health issues in organizations when you don't have those two going together. Yeah. And Les would give you the authority and accountability for these things, but he yeah. would equally protect you from interference from above and around you and so on. And the third one, grow and develop your people. This will make each year easier than the one before. Yes, very good. They're simple. Yeah, but, very good. But true. If you if you allow people to, and you give them the framework to be able to stretch in and test themselves and you support them in that and protect them in that, yes, each year becomes easier. It does. It does indeed. I like that one. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'll just re re tell people when you've gone that extra mile. Yeah. Protect your people from interference from all directions mm. and grow and develop your people because this will make each year easier than the one before. Fantastic. I like them. Uh, yeah, me too. And I think that's it, Toby. Great. That's it. Well, that's excellent talking with you once again, Robert. And it's interesting because we're dealing with some very important topics here and um, yeah. often coming down to the simple elements of what it means to be successful in this very important executive discipline. Yeah. And it's not all about following a bouncing ball. There are many other factors that come into quite this. There are quite a few play. Yeah. Pleasure as always, Toby. Okay. And... We shall be back next week, no doubt, with another episode of MA War Stories. And until then, it's bye for now. Bye.
Goodbye.